chapter 47, and um, I have quite a lengthy reading this morning, but I, I do have a word from the Lord for you, and I want to deliver this as God gave it to me. I'll try not to preach too long, and uh, hopefully get you out of here, amen, uh, in a decent amount of time. Genesis 47. Verse number 13, say amen when you have it. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in this pestilence in thy presence? For the money faileth. And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle, if money fail. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for horses and for flocks and for cattle of the herds and for the donkeys, and he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. When that year was ended, they came unto him the second year and said unto him, We will not hide it from my Lord, how that our money is spent. My Lord also hath our herds, cattle. There is not enough left in the sight of my Lord for our bodies and our lands. Wherefore shall we die before thine eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread. And we and our land will be servants unto Pharaoh, and give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land be not desolate. And Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them. So the land became Pharaoh's. And I'm going to preach to you for a few moments this morning on this subject, feeding the Pharaoh's feeding the pharaohs. Can we say that together? Feeding the pharaohs. I was going to preach an entirely different message uh, on baptism, and I do plan on uh, for the next several weeks and months preaching doctrinally, if the Lord will allow me to. But uh, we were at Mod Pizza yesterday, and we started talking about some things. And then I sat down to study, and the very thing we had just been talking about came up in my study time. And so the Lord told me, this is what you're going to preach. And so um, I'm going to give you what the Lord gave me. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. I pray, God, that you would touch every visitor, every saint. Lord, I pray, God, that from the greatest to the smallest, we would all hear from the Lord. God, I thank you for your word for your power, for your presence. Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said a healthy amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Look at your neighbor, give him a great big God bless you, and you may be seated. There is not enough time this morning to rehearse the entire story of the main character in this particular text, a young man by the name of Joseph. In short, the story of Joseph is the story of a young man who was betrayed and sold as a slave into Egypt by his own brothers. While in Egypt, God used Joseph to interpret a disturbing two-part dream for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The dream which Joseph interpreted revealed that an unavoidable famine was going to strike the land of Egypt, but before it did, there would be a time of abundance and plenty. When the Pharaoh heard Joseph's interpretation of the dream, he asked what he should do. Joseph replied by advising Pharaoh to appoint a wise and a discreet man over the resources of Egypt and the Egyptian people. This man, Joseph recommended, should tax the people 20% of everything their lands produced in preparation for the time 
of famine. The Pharaoh liked what he heard and appointed Joseph to be that man. For seven years, the people of Egypt prospered, so much so that they did not notice or care about these mysterious and egregious taxations. They weren't given an explanation, and they didn't want one. 20% of everything they made was, as the scripture says, taken up and then disappeared. Then came the famine, and this famine lasted seven years, seven long, hard years. The people of Egypt came to Pharaoh and pleaded for help. He directed them to Joseph, who had been storing 20% of their resources for the last seven years. Joseph told the people, I will sell you what we have for money. They agreed, and then their food ran out, and so did their money. So they came back to Joseph. This time, Joseph requested that they pay with cattle and livestock. They agreed, and then their food ran out, and they had no livestock left. So they came back to Joseph again, and this time, Joseph requested that they pay with their land, and they agreed. Knowing that the famine was almost over, Joseph decided to not just sell them food, but to sell them the seeds to grow food on the land that now belonged to Pharaoh, and they agreed. What Joseph did is not easy to interpret, and it's enough to keep anyone up at night questioning what is right and what is wrong. He taxed people an outrageous amount without any explanation. He then sold them back what was theirs. And if that were not enough, he also convinced them to hand over to Pharaoh everything they had for the rest of their lives. It is, an un, it is undeniable that Joseph benefited from his own practices, but that could not possibly be his main motivation. And so the question is, why did he do this? In order to understand his reasoning, it is important to understand that Joseph knew Egyptian culture very well. He had spent more time living as an Egyptian than as an Israelite. And if there was anything he had learned about Egyptians, it's that they have an incurable and excessive appetite. It is an appetite that doesn't know boundaries and if it's denied, will become hostile. When Joseph first had arrived in Egypt, there was an Egyptian woman who tried to seduce him to fall into sin. Her appetite was out of control and out of bounds. And when he denied her, she became violent and got him thrown in jail. In jail, Joseph met two of Pharaoh's chief servants. And what did they do for a living? They satisfied Pharaoh's appetite. One gave him wine all day, while the other made tasty little pastries. And for reasons they could not explain, they did not satisfy Pharaoh's appetite. And it cost the pastry maker his life. When God gave Pharaoh dreams, he spoke to him through the imagery of cows and corn who had ferocious appetites that could not be satisfied, which represented a vicious famine that was going to strike the nation of Egypt. Why did God speak to Pharaoh this way? Because God knew that this was imagery he would relate to. Joseph knew that in order to save Egypt, he was going to have to satisfy Pharaoh's appetite. Joseph knew that Pharaoh would not have mercy on the people just because they were starving. Pharaoh had to be fed more and before everyone else. I believe that Joseph knew these measures were excessive. Joseph came from a people who had learned from their patriarch Abraham to give God 10% of their increase in earnings, which is an extremely small and reasonable amount, and certainly much less than 20% lifelong. Joseph knew, however, that Pharaoh was not like the God of his ancestors. 
He was cruel. He was mean. He was greedy. He, and he was capable of inflicting horrible suffering on people. Joseph, amen, had not only walked in his palaces, he had spent years in his prisons. Nobody knew the Pharaoh and his systems better than Joseph. Joseph knew that Pharaohs can't be satisfied. And the price for leaving them unsatisfied requires more than anyone can afford. So today, I'm going to preach to you that the price you pay for being in the world is far greater than the price you pay for being in God's kingdom. If you are not familiar with the Bible, the Bible constantly, amen, makes parallels between Egypt and the world. And so today I want to talk to you that it's hard to live in Egypt and it's hard, amen, to pay their prices and it's hard to feed the pharaohs. I am no longer interested in telling people that being a Christian is easy. I am interested in telling people that the price you pay for not being a Christian is a whole lot more than you can afford. Can somebody give God some praise? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, it's expensive to live outside of Christ. It's costly to live outside of Christ. It's hard to live outside of Christ. I'm telling you, I'd rather live in Jacob's tents than in Pharaoh's palaces. I'm telling you right now, I'd rather wander in the wilderness with the Israelites than live under the shadow of Egyptian bondage. Because when they ask for payment, it's always more than any of us can afford to pay. Amen. Hallelujah. I came to preach to you today that... That pharaohs can't be satisfied and when they're not satisfied they become hostile violent and ruthless amen hallelujah I'm also here to preach to you that God has his demands none of us here get to choose a life free of demands free of expectations and free of prices to pay but all of us at least get the opportunity to choose where we're gonna live what kingdom we're gonna serve who we're gonna pay what cost were come on somebody the beautiful thing about God's demands is that each one of them are enveloped with love and carefully designed with our good in mind what God demands of us benefits us and what he plans and purposes for us blesses us Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end uh, that saying God very plainly what I plan for your life amen includes your good I have your best intentions in mind I don't know about you but that sounds like a good deal to me I'd rather serve God than Pharaoh's uh, I'd rather Come on. I'll give God a hand praise right now Psalms 40 and 5 says, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are toward us. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. It would be... It if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than I can be numbered. Uh, amen. In Psalms 40 and 5, in another translation, it says, You, Lord God, have done many wonderful things, and you have planned marvelous things for us. No one is like you. I would never be able to tell all you have done. I'm telling you it's good to serve God. I'm not telling you it's easy to serve God. I'm not telling you it's pain-free to serve God, but I'm here to tell you that serving God is full of blessings, good plans, good intentions, good will, amen, good and not evil, life and not death, reasonable sacrifice, oh, come on, oh, hallelujah, Jesus, oh, let's praise God right now, hallelujah, living for God has sacrifices, you will make sacrifices, you absolutely will. But the Apostle Paul calls them reasonable sacrifices. 
reasonable sacrifices. He said to present your bodies as a reasonable sacrifice unto the Lord. The apostle Paul, as he began to travel throughout the world evangelizing, he had one prayer request to the churches. He said, pray that God would deliver us from unreasonable men. God makes reasonable requests. It's people that make unreasonable requests. God asks for reasonable sacrifices. It's people that ask for unreasonable sacrifices. You think it's hard being in church single and staying pure? Amen. Just wait until you get, amen, a nice worldly sinner boyfriend and see how he treats you. You think it's hard to stay pure. You think it's hard to stay single. Amen. With a girl in church. Amen. Hallelujah. Or as a young man in church, you just wait until you see what those crazy women in the world can do to you. Praise God. They, they were, I'm telling you, God has reasonable sacrifices. Amen. You think it's hard waking up on Sunday and driving down to the house of God? Amen. Maybe nobody's ever told you how hard it is to wake up with a hangover. Maybe nobody's ever told you how expensive it is. Amen. Hallelujah. To not know what you did on Saturday night only to wake up with Sunday morning shame. Huh? You think it's hard coming in here and clapping your hands a little bit, amen, and shouting and lifting a little hand uh, and putting putting some money in the offering. You have no idea what it costs to get in the club. You have no idea the messes you can get in living out there. You have no idea what Pharaoh charges. I'm telling you all of this is reasonable. All of this is good. All of this is acceptable. All of this is cheap at any price. Oh, Hallelujah. Joseph, Joseph had mastered the art of reading people's appetites. And he knew this guy right here, he's going to want a whole lot more than even God. This guy right here will leave you high and dry for the rest of your life. You know, I know this is not the case for everybody. But I'm just going to speak to you for a few moments and please... Excuse the personal references, but I'm going to speak to you for just a few moments as to my personal experience and what it is to serve Pharaoh and what it is, amen, to pay his taxation. And what I'm telling you, I'd rather tithe than tax. You know, the, the world's prices are compounding. They double over and they triple up. Oh, Yeah. You pay, you pay a little price for, for getting drunk. You pay a little price, amen, on, uh, uh, for, for those immediate pleasures. You pay, you pay a little price up front, amen, but it's what you start paying after, amen, a long time. You start, you start paying with kidneys and livers. You start paying with brain cells. You start paying with STDs. You start paying, amen, hallelujah. Come on, y'all getting quiet on me right about now. You start, you start paying with, with unexpected pregnancies. You start, you start paying with divorce and bankruptcy. You start paying with paychecks, amen, that get cashed on Saturday and they're gone by Monday. I'm telling you, it's hard to serve Pharaoh. I'm telling you, come on. I was born that night, not last night. Hallelujah. And I've seen, I've seen everything from a functional drug addict and alcoholic to a dysfunctional one. And I'm telling you, everybody pays 20% for the rest of their life. I'm telling you, everybody, amen, has to give up the money and then the cattle and then the crops and then the land. And then they have to grow for the Pharaoh. Amen. And now they're servants to the Pharaoh. And now everything they produce, they got to hand over to the Pharaoh. It's, amen, the Pharaoh won't stop at just leaving you an alcoholic. The kids got to be alcoholics. The Pharaoh won't stop at just you smoking a little bit of weed. The kids got to smoke a little bit of weed. And then all of a sudden, the grandkids are, are on fentanyl. Praise God. And all of a sudden, painkillers are flying and disappearing out of the medicine cabinet. I know people, I mean, there's people in here looking at me like they don't know what I'm talking about. I, you, I hope you never find out what I'm talking about. I hope you never have to live that life. I hope you never have to find out just how expensive 
expensive it is to have a child out of wedlock. I hope you never have to find out what it is, amen, hallelujah, to have to walk into hospitals and get tests uh, because you're not sure, amen, if you contacted HIV or syphilis or gonorrhea. I hope you never find out. You listen to your pastor preach to you this morning, praise God. I don't care if you come from a good home, a wrecked home. I don't care what your situation is. You listen to me when I talk to you. You can ruin your life in a minute. Amen. Getting caught up with pharaohs. You can ruin your life in a second. Amen. Getting caught up with pharaohs. Hey, I'm going to preach to you some good old-fashioned preaching this morning. We still believe, uh, amen, hallelujah, that it's better to serve God uh, than it is to come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody give God a hand clap of praise. Oh, come on, give God some praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody praise God. Oh, somebody give God some praise. Can we lift our hands just for a few seconds? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, come on, let's lift our hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, come on, let's magnify the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I pray against every distraction right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, I praise you. Hey, I know. I know what some people are thinking. I, I don't believe it's ever going to go there for me. I wish I could start telling you all the stories of, of good people that I've had to bury. I wish I could tell you about the funerals I've had to be pallbearers at. I wish I could tell you about the psych wards I've had to walk into. I wish I could tell you about all the hospital visits I've had to do and not tell anybody what happened inside that hospital room. I wish I, wish I had time to tell you, amen, about all the situations where people got locked in Amen. To a contract with the pharaohs and had to feed the pharaohs, not knowing just how much they eat, not knowing how ferocious their appetites are, not knowing, praise God, that, that it's always them first. Amen. And you last. Praise God. I wish I could tell you about all the people I've, I've had to counsel years down the road because they told me church is too hard. The demands are too high. You're asking too much. You're being a little too hard. And then all of a sudden, years down the road, I get the phone call at 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning because these people decided I'm going to go serve some pharaohs. I'm going to go serve men instead of God. I'm going to go serve my husband instead of God. I'm going to go serve my gang instead of God. I'm going to go serve my girls instead of God. I'm going to go serve this and that instead of God. And all of a sudden they end up having to pay with the cattle, the land, and the crops. And then all of a sudden they get taxed 20%. And all of a sudden they they find themselves in a lifelong life sentence, praise God, paying more than they ever expected to pay. Amen. Hallelujah. I am, I am telling you, you need to stay, amen, in the house of God. You need to enter the house of God, and then you need to stay put. You need to fight to stay put. You need to fast to stay put. You need to read your Bible to stay put. You need to get in Bible study to stay put. You need to come on. You need to give to stay put. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. The nation of Israel insisted on having a human king over them. God said, I am your king. They said, no, 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 no. You're the big invisible man upstairs. We need somebody we could see and touch. Said, you want a king? You want to serve men? I'll give you a man. And he gave them a man by the name of Saul. And in 1 Samuel 8 and 11, the Lord says, 
There will be the manner, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and for his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be his confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your servants and your maids and your godliest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you shall be his servants. Over seven times the Lord tells Israel, what's yours will be his. What's yours will be his. It is a blessing to serve a God that has no need of anything you have. Somebody said, then why does the church ask for money? Let me tell you. You, you, if you want to know the psychology behind it, if you want to know the spirituality behind it, if you want to know the scripture behind it, because if you're not invested, if you're not invested, you won't stay. If you're not invested, if there's not a piece of you here, you won't stay here. Why do you think, why do you think as the church begins to abandon doctrines of tithing and offering, amen, the number of people that just church hop, just Pentecostal tumbleweed starts going up through the roof. People just playing checkers in church. People just jumping around. Amen. You know why? Because they're not invested. And when you're not invested, amen, the dope man wants you to be invested. Praise God. The football team wants you to be invested. Invested. The Lakers and the Warriors want you invested. The Raiders want you invested. Come on. The Patriots want you invested. The gang wants you invested. Amen. I'm telling you right now, Hollywood wants you invested. Ain't nobody giving out nothing for free. And they know that the minute you start paying for stuff, you're invested. And you're more likely to be a lifelong customer. Amen. Hallelujah. And we gladly do it for those things that give us no kickback. You can't even get one of those athletes to look at you and sign your little baseball card and they're not even interested in knowing you they're not even interested in touching you they don't want to live in your neighborhood they don't want to walk through your town i'm preaching to somebody somebody think somebody say he getting radical you're right i'm radical i don't mind being radical you gotta be radical you, you don't you don't get it you don't get a chance not to be radical you only get to choose what you're gonna be radical about and i'd rather be radical about a god that sees me that loves me that provides for me that takes care of me I don't care about Kim and Kanye. I don't care about Johnny Depp's divorce. I don't care. Come on, somebody. I don't care about what's going on on TMZ. I don't care about none of that garbage. I don't care about none of that trash. It don't interest me. I'm not reading up on it. I'm not staying abreast with it. And neither should you. You should be a... You should be up on your word. You should be up on the word. You should be up on what's going on in your church. You I'm not here to feed pharaohs. I'm not here. Come on, somebody. Oh, somebody give God some praise right now. Everybody's afraid of looking weird to the world as if the world is a standard of normalcy. Hey, just to be clear, I worked at a tattoo shop before I got saved. And I just refused to be worried about what the people with piercings on their face and tattoos on their head think about me. It's getting quiet in here. Some of y'all still worried about that stuff. I'm not worried about that stuff. Praise God. And I'm not going to tell you how many dope houses I've been in. I'm not going to tell you around how many crackheads I've been around. And I'm just not worried about what the crackhead thinks about me. And I'm not worried. I'm just not worried about what brother and sister sleep around think about me either. 
with my monogamous self. I'm just not worried about it. Praise God. I'm just, I'm not worried about what, come on somebody. I'm not worried about what little purple haired kid thinks about my kid. I'm not worried about that stuff. I'm just not tripping like that. I just don't care. And you're not going to make me care. Praise God. Everybody got to get on the Jesus team and then rock the Jesus team. Everybody just got to choose what side they're going to walk on and then walk that walk and quit worrying about what everybody thinks and quit where you kids listen to me you quit trying you quit worrying about whether you're up on the latest anime or you're up on the latest video game who cares about that stuff amen you serve jesus with all your heart young person and i'm not afraid to tell these young men amen they need to serve god not afraid to tell these young ladies to serve god if we don't tell them the devil's gonna tell them what to serve if we don't tell them now they'll be serving pharaohs and feeding pharaohs hey let me tell you something this is the age the pharaohs like to be fed at right here they the pharaohs want lifelong contracts they want lifelong contracts hey mom and dad i'm just telling you don't you be afraid i don't care i don't care amen I, i'm just telling you i'm done caring hey I, I've, I've been trying to be nice hope come back next week i preach nicer next week praise god I'll, I'll preach you some nice fuzzy message that'll make you feel warm praise god and nice inside but today we're just going to get uncomfortable before we get comfortable with this world praise god because it's hard serving pharaohs they eat too much they want too much their women are out of line. Their men are out of line. They're out of bounds. Come on, they want too much. Oh. Hey, you know, you know when I first came, you know when I first came to God, when I first came to God, I used, you know, I, I brought a lot of people to church. And you know, a lot of them didn't stay. And some of it was my fault. I'm going to tell you why. Because I made them think, like, hey, when you serve God, life is going to be peaches and roses. And when the poison ivy and the thorns came out, and they come out, people felt like I kind of sold them some false goods. And I, I, didn't, I didn't really do it deceptively. I, I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. I was happy. But I forgot that I went through a whole lot to be happy. And so I was always talking to people from the perspective of the happy side. But I forgot to tell them, oh, oh, you're going to lose some friends on the way. My bad. Your follower account is going to go down. My bad. Your girlfriend's going to leave you. My bad. You're going you're gonna to have to get a job. My bad. And so people got, people got, not a lot, not a lot. I didn't, that, that, some of them are coming back to God now, praise God. But uh, we're getting them back. But this time we're front loading. I tell them, come on back. It's going to be hard. Come on back. It's going to be a fight. You know, we have some good military men here, some good men in the service. Praise God. They, no, you know, when they signed up, nobody told them this is going to be the best time of your life. Did they tell you that? Praise God. Maybe they did. I mean, you know, you might get sold on jumping out of a plane, but you know you're not jumping into a party. Oh, you're going to sail the seas, but it's not on a cruise ship. <laughs> but every day, people sign up. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter about human nature is we want the challenge. Yeah. And the truth about human nature is we want to take risks. Yeah. And the truth about human nature is that we want to live and die for something meaningful. And the truth of human nature is that we want life to count. And the truth about human nature is that we want to sacrifice. And the truth of human nature is that we want to put skin in the game. And the truth of human nature is that we want high demands and high expectations. Praise God. And so we do good to tell. Jesus never hid from people what it costs to be a Christian. He told them, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me and I am disappointed you will never I, I, I hope I don't bite my words but if you see a cross around here I mean you tell them pastor said to take it down you will never see a cross here Christians are 
too many nominal Christians are offended at the cross. And so they spent countless hours trying to beautify crosses. They gold plate them. They silver plate them. They put them on their neck. They put them up on the building. They make them shiny. They make them out of wood. They make jewelry and ornamentations because it's actually offensive. Amen. When you, if you don't know what a cross really was, a cross was a form of capital punishment. Amen. Early Christians didn't use crosses. Amen. To decorate or adorn their buildings. Uh, because they, it would be like you wearing a gold chain with like an electric chair on it. And it escapes us. It escapes us what people really thought when they heard Jesus say this for the first time. Listen, the Jews had been told since Deuteronomy, cursed be any man that hangs on a tree. And Jesus says, if you follow me, you hang on trees. Let that sink in. He didn't say, follow me, and I'll make sure that everybody loves you. Follow me. Just, you know, and I'll, you, follow me, and I'll make sure you get warm fuzzies every day. No, 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 no. He said, follow me, and you'll hang on a tree. Follow me, and they'll wag their head at you and curse you as you die. Follow me, and they'll make fun of you. Follow me, and they'll laugh at you. I know some people think I showed up to the wrong service this morning. Friend, you showed up to the right service this morning. I'm just letting you know that's the way it really goes down. That's the way it really is. You can't gold plate the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's ugly. It's mangled. Amen. There's, it's, it never ends well for anyone. Nobody survived crucifixions. You didn't, you didn't, a hundred percent of the people that went on the cross died. Praise God. Jesus died. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody that goes on a cross dies. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm not trying to strike up cultic franticness amen i am letting you know praise god that if you serve jesus there is a little piece of you there is a big part of you that is going to die your popularity is going to die your acceptance is going to die amen hallelujah who you get affirmed from is going to die who validates you is going to die what validates you is going to die some of you will pay with your income some of you will pay amen with your education some of you will pay i'm not afraid to tell you that Praise God. Some of you will pay. Amen. Hallelujah. The deepest prices. And I can't stop it. And you can't stop it. Praise God. When Jesus' hand is on you, he has demands. And nobody can change those demands. Not you. Not me. You either fulfill the demands or you walk away from Jesus. You either. Hey. Being a Christian. I want you to think about this. Being a Christian is so hard. It is so hard, so complicated, so grueling, so intense, and at times so heartbreaking that you cannot do it without the Holy Ghost. God said, if you're ever going to be a Christian, I'm going to actually have to live inside of you. In, fact, the in Greek, the name for the Holy Ghost is paraclete. Para meaning alongside, cleat meaning walk. The Holy Ghost walks beside you because it is so hard to walk for Jesus. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just done playing games with folks. It is hard. It is hard to walk for Jesus. I'm not going to candy coat this. I'm not going to make this anything less than what it really is. It is hard living for Jesus. It is hard to have a cross, but you want to know what's harder? Not having a cross. A crossless life is the hardest life. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. You know what he's telling you? Play all the games you want. You're burdened, you're tired, and that yoke around your neck is heavy. But if you come, you don't get to walk away from both yokes. You don't get to walk away from both burdens. Jesus is saying, I'll switch you out. I'll switch you out. I'll switch you out. I'll take what you got, and I'll give you what I have. But you don't get to walk away. It's not, 
You, you, you're a slave either way. You're a slave either way. You're a servant either way. You, there is no emancipation. There is, there is no liberty here. You either serve Christ or you serve the pharaohs. You either, come on somebody, you either tithe or you give 20%. It's really up to you. Praise God. You either serve God or you feed the pharaohs. Praise God. And I'm just here to let you know I'd rather serve God. You either take a cross. Hey, I know we got visitors here today. I'm not, and I know there's kids here. I'll be the first to tell you, you get hurt in church. Some of you already hurt. I'm not even done preaching. You already got hurt. You get hurt in church. You get hurt in church. You sure do. Things spiral downward sometimes, even in the church. You got to dig yourself out of holes sometimes, even in the church. You got you to think yourself happy, even in the church. But how many of us remember? I remember at the age of, uh, I must have been maybe 13 the first time I started feeling, feeling suicidal. And by the time I was 18, I had already attempted suicide. I remember the bottomless pit of depression. I remember, like it was, yeah, I remember the darkness. I remember the darkness. I remember going to sleep, hoping that every time I'd wake up, the thoughts would go away, and they didn't. And so I'd sleep more. Oh, I remember the darkness. And my parents had taught me against God. And my parents had taught me against crosses. And my parents had taught me those crosses, foolishness. It's for weak people. That's foolish. You listen to your father. I'm a lot smarter than that. I went to school. I'm very educated. All religions are just myths. And I remember when I got saved and depression, I'm telling you, depression and suicidal thoughts that I had battled for years lifted in seconds. Seconds. Not minutes, seconds. It was literally seconds. And I stopped. Somebody's saying, you know, I feel like you're being really unfair to me. I, I'm, I'm struggling in a way you have no idea. Hey, I am telling you right now. I, I, have, I, I refuse. I, I cannot bend my knee to the idea that God does not deliver people in seconds. You, I, you, you, there are too many ex-drug addicts here. There are too many people here, amen, that, that had already attempted suicide and got pulled out. You, I'm sorry. We can't, we, we can't comply. We will not comply. There is deliverance. There is hope. There is hope and there is the. You want to know the truth? You want to know the truth? I remember going to church and they kept praying for me and they kept telling me, God can deliver you. God, and I would just, you know, I would just kind of pray. I was just being very polite and compliant. I thought, you know, these people mean me good. I'm going to let them give me a massage right now. That's what they want to do. Okay, the man here wants to put oil on my head, fine. You know, I was cool about that stuff. I had been to raves, clubs. I was like, you know, I could get with this. That's fine. We could do this. I remember. And the thing, the thing about church folk, they let you know. Like, you're not getting it. They'll be like, you, you, you ain't getting it. They'd be like, come back next time. Be like, man, I, you know. So I did. I came back next time. I didn't get it. Came back next time. Didn't get it. And I kept not getting it. And I remember one time I was doing the deal. Had my hands up. Hands were on me. Oil was coming out. It was just, you know. 
And I don't know how else to explain it to you, and I'm not, this is not verbatim. I'm giving you the impression that I felt so deep on my heart. You're being fake. You're being fake. And I remember thinking to myself, yes, I am. I am. Because I'm not, I'm not expressing myself in this moment the way I do for things that, if God is real, are of lesser value. I remember the day sitting, standing at an altar with my hands like this and thinking to myself, if God is real, then his value, his worth, his presence, his power, his glory is, is incalculably greater than anything I get excited about in the world. And so therefore, I'm going to have to open myself up right now. I am going to fall on the ground if I have to. I, I can tell you services where I fell on the ground. Not because I got knocked out by the Holy Ghost, but because I refused to be any kind, to, have, to display any kind of pomp or arrogance in the presence of God. I can call it whatever I want, but at the end of the day, I was just not going to look bad in front of a bunch of strangers. I was not going to be demonstrative in front of a bunch of strangers. I was just not going to do these kinds of things. I thought them strange. I thought them uncouth, and I thought them unacceptable. And I, and I thought them beneath my intelligence and beneath my dignity. And I, may, and I just remember the day the Holy Ghost said, you're just being fake about this. You're just being fake about this. And these good people care about, these good people are more moved to compassion about the condition of your soul than you are. How can strangers possibly weep for you more than you weep for yourself? And something radically shifted inside of my heart that day. And, so, and I'm telling you, I get on my daughters. I don't, I don't, I don't allow it in my house. I'm just telling you, don't want to be in my Bible studies at home. You think this is rough this morning. You ain't seen a Bible study, amen, at my address. Praise God. I'm just, you come on over if you want the real stuff. You fixing to get a Bible study like you ain't never had. And I will cry and I will sob in front of my daughters and I will tell them, don't you dare come to church and lock up like that on God. Don't do that to God. It's going to go bad for you. The cost of a crossless life, Ayla, is too hard. The cost of a crossless, my daughter's five years. I'm telling you, I have shook my children. Praise God. And I'm not afraid and I'm not apologizing. Not, I'm not apologizing to their grandmother. I'm not apologizing to their mother about it. I'm not apologizing to their grandfather about it. You know why? Because they believe this too. Praise God. Because they remember what it was like to live a crossless life. They remember what it was like, praise God, to not have Jesus. They remember what it was like to make the switch in the mind, to make the switch in the heart and say, you know what? I'm going to the altar and I'm crying all over myself and I'm going to cry. I don't care if the musicians walk away. I'm staying on this cold, hard floor until Jesus changes my life. I don't care. I don't care if everyone's walking over me. I don't care if they drape me with a jacket. Amen. I'm going to lay on this ground until Jesus gets a hold of me. I don't care who's in the house. I don't care how many visitors are here. I don't care how long it took me to do my hair. I'm not going to live my life. Let's turn off the live feed. Let's turn off the live feed. Oh, let's lift our hands and pray for just a moment. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Can we just lift our hands and pray for one second? Oh, Jesus. Hey. You want to know the truth? I got to let you put skin in the game. You got to do it. You know how many of you, you know how many of you, I want to walk right by you, tap you on the shoulder and be like, man, I really appreciate you coming. I know this is hard. I know you drive. I know you woke up early. I want to do that to you. I want to do that. I want to do that. But you know what I do when I do that? I take your cross off. I take your cross off. Hey, it's the least you could do in America. Right. Amen. Some of y'all didn't catch that. 
It's the least you could do in America. Your brothers and sisters in Christ in Africa, in Latin America, all over this world are walking to church over mountains. Are they? Hey, guess what? They're walking through COVID. They're walking. Some people think COVID's light. Praise God. You've still got people out there that got to walk through all kinds of other more harmful diseases than COVID. COVID is the, you're, 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 I'm telling you, you're looking at a preacher. You think I'm kidding? You're looking at a preacher. I've preached inside leper colonies. You have no idea, amen, how easy your life is. Everybody here, I don't care who you are. I don't care what the government tells you. I don't care what your favorite, amen, amen, protester tells you. You're all rich. You're all living in the lap of luxury. Every single one of you all is rich. Every single one of you has wealth beyond anybody in this world. You're too busy comparing yourself to the people you read about on TMZ. Meanwhile, people in India, Africa, Latin America, praise God, live on a dollar a day, not even enough to pay your little cell phone bill. Praise God, and you want the pastor to apologize to you, amen, for waking up a little early to get to church. You ought to run to church, amen. You ought to wake up early. You ought to come here half awake. You ought to come rolling in on a tow truck if you have to. You ought to walk yourself, bus yourself, Uber yourself to the house of God no matter what, because I'm telling you right now, this... Don't you let know this the least you could do living in America. It's the... I'm not buying it. I'm done buying it. I'm not buying it for me. I'm not buying it for you. You stayed up late to go to college. You stayed up late to pass tests. You drove hours to get to work. You drove. You stood in lines for hours to go to your favorite concert. You stood in lines at Disneyland. You woke up early to get the early bird pass. You Come on, somebody. You went out of your way. You went out of your way to take that vacation. You went out of your way, praise God. Hallelujah. When, when, when your interests were involved, guess what? Your interests are involved right here. These, this is in your best interest. Serving God is in your best interest. Amen. It's in your best interest to not feed the pharaohs. It's in your best interest to live in Jacob's tents. It's in your best interest to do what your father Abraham did. It's in your best interest. It's in your best interest to sacrifice. It's in your best... preaching against Disneyland. I'm not preaching against any of that stuff. Some of the pastors preaching it. I'll stand in line myself. (laughs) But not before church. And anything I do for this, you know, do whatever you want with this. I don't care. You interpret this however you want. I just made it up in my mind. Outside of a car, but I'm willing to go there now. I will never purchase anything that I have not given the equivalent value to to church. Never. I will never lavish myself in a way I won't lavish church. I just won't. If I got a $1,000 laptop, I'll give a $1,000 offering. If I got $500 shoes, I'll give $500 to the church. And I've given, anyways, I'm just telling you. It's the least. It's the least. I'm. You know what's messing some of us up? We're chasing stuff we already have. You're chasing wealth, not realizing you're already wealthy. The problem is you're comparing yourself to the wrong people. You're not looking at it globally. You live in this little bubble that tells you that unless you have what ex, who, unless you have what Johnny and Lisa have, you broke. And meanwhile, there's somebody on the other side of the globe thinking all those people over there are so wealthy. I wonder what all these people who make our clothes in factories think about us. They got to make clothes they can't even afford or can't even have for themselves, for you. And you go and buy it at Ross because they can't sell it at Nordstrom's. And you want to come and you want to tell yourself, I'm broke. I'm not making it. Let me tell you, you want to know how to get wealthy? Stop chasing what you already have. You're already wealthy. You're already wealthy. Start serving God with all your heart. Start serving God. Stop chasing wealth. Stop pers- Stop telling yourself you're, you're, you're underclass and underprivileged. 
You live in the U.S. of A. Uh You have police and and military surrounding you. You get to vote. You, You get a new iPad every year. Your children, your children tell you what they want to eat like it's a restaurant. And you ask them like you're a maid. What would you like this morning, mijo? You want oatmeal, cereal? Cinnamon Toast Crunch or Lucky Charms, baby? Oh, is your tortilla burnt? Let me, let me go do that again. Church at 11? You know most churches start at 10, right? I did you a favor at 11. I did you big favors at 11. We don't even, I'm not going to even tell you the favors I'm doing for you. I'm just letting you know I'm trying to make this a cakewalk for you. Praise God, and you're turning this into a pancake. You, you got to, I'm telling you, you got to turn it around. I'm just sorry. You got to turn it around. You have to turn it around. It's just over. It's over. I'm not taking your cross off you. You want to take your cross off you? You take your cross off you. I'm not taking your cross off you because privately, you don't know what God tells me about you when I'm praying. I know what's going on in your, you don't, I don't need the 411. Praise God. You need the 911. I am telling you, it's just time, it's just time you wake on up and get it together and shake the dust off and tell yourself, I'm blessed. I'm wealthy. I'm healthy. I have everything I need. I'm serving God with everything I have. I'm certain. You need to shake your kids and tell them you got it good. You got it good. Now wake up and get yourself together. We're going down to the house of the Lord. Praise God. You got it good. You got it good. You got it good. I don't know where we're going to serve God with everything that's in us. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Oh, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost talking to some of us. I'm sorry. Kids think they're getting roasted this morning. Hey, there's not a person in here, me and this sweet lady here don't love. There's not a person in here. My kids love y'all. My kids love y'all. My kids. My kids love y'all. I love y'all. My wife loves y'all. We pray for y'all. Y'all's proper English if you don't know that. Plural singular, y'all. We love y'all. That's why we're preaching like this. I've seen people dismount. I've seen people take the nails out. And the next time we see them, they're trying to jump off the San Francisco Bridge. I've seen people take the nails out, then come back to church and try to find the nails again. And I love you too much. And I love you too much. But I don't love you more than God. And so let me rephrase that. God loves you too much to tell you to take your cross off. And to tell you that the pharaohs don't eat. They eat. And they have bottomless pits for stomachs. And the boys out there want more than you can pay. And the girls out there demand more than you can cough up. And the parties and the drugs and the money and the, and, the, and the acceptance and the affirmation, all that stuff out there, it comes at a price you simply cannot afford. You cannot afford it. I'm sorry. It's too much. It's life sentences. 
You know, the church really is a beautiful place. It really is a beautiful place. You will never walk in here, and you're free to tell me if this ever happens to you. You're free to tell me. I'll straighten it out if this has happened to you. You will never come in here and have somebody make fun of your clothes. Nobody here will ever judge you because you got it at Ross instead of Nordstrom. Because you got it at the Goodwill instead of Saks Fifth. We have more PhDs in this church than you think. You don't even know. You don't even know. There are people here with great careers, great education, and you don't know about it. And it's going to stay that way. It's going to stay that way. And you got people, you got people sitting all around you that you think, man, these, these are kind of some nice dressed people. It wasn't always that way. And you got people here that are extremely well off, and they'll open their doors to you. And they'll feed you. And they'll help you. The church is a wonderful place. In the world, you don't get that. You have to comply. We're good to all kinds of non-compliers. It's a good place. It's a good place. It costs to get here. It costs to stay here. It costs. It hurts. There's tears here. But nothing like what's out there. Can we stand?